Say, mm-hmm. say something. Saying something. Hey, everybody. This is Colin and uh, Joshua Michael, and uh, I'm stealing Joshua's opportunity to start us off tonight just because uh, he wasn't exactly expecting it. We're doing things a little differently right now, only only because I'm broadcasting, broadcasting, whatever. I'm podcasting from a hotel room. The transmission is Our, the transmission's coming yeah, from you from a seedy hotel. This is, <laughs> it's really not that seedy, honestly. It's pretty pretty reasonable. Any hotel where they're going to stick me in a place with an attempted uh, uh, kitchenette usually isn't that bad. Sorry to everybody, my voice is a little jacked up. Um, I, uh, I I did that to myself. I'm not sick or anything, but um, it's just too much I did a sucking. Lot of hollering recently. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Anyway, how are you doing? Happens, my best friend Joshua Michael. Hey, that, how are you doing? That's me. It happens to the best of us, by the way, brother. <laughs> yes, I am, in fact, your best friend. <laughs> I am. So it would seem. I'm good, man. I'm good, man. It's like, all right, today we just like set off on an odd tangent because I wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to take my time. I got some PTO so I can, because it fucking snowed like crazy. And. Like, I hear all the time, oh, the roads are terrible, the roads are terrible. I don't give a shit. Like, I've got front-wheel drive, I've got a kick-ass car. Um, it's Colorado. They say it's shitty in the news, just, you know, don't be an asshole on the road. And people were assholes. I got stuck, like, twice, and I'm, like, I'm fishtailing in one spot, solid for five minutes. And people are flying past me while fishtailing, just, I guess, just uh, confident that I'm not going to accidentally fishtail and they're going to clip me. And uh, I was an hour and 15 minutes late for work, which is pretty goddamn late. And um, other than that, it it just set an odd precedent. Like today, I felt like I was in a weird time vortex. And uh, I had a lot of time in between calls, but it it felt only like two minutes. And it was like I was just sitting there staring for a minute. Like I drank a shitload of coffee and uh my lunch was terrible i bought some i never had turkey pastrami before sorry to bother you guys with this it was terrible I, turkey pastrami yeah it was it was nasty like it's like i could smell it through my lunchbox and i've got a good lunchbox Ew. yeah it, it, revolting yeah it, it it was i took one bite and just trashed it and but luckily i always pack a lot of good stuff and but came home took a nap and uh did some extra reading and just really excited to talk about a lot of the books that we read this week because there was a lot of shit that came out this week, but there was some hidden gems in between. Um, I think we've got like how many are we doing today? Looking at our list here, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine good comics uh, out of a sea of. Uh, eh, I don't want to say shit. I want to say it was. Uh, sorry, guys, for all you comic creators and uh, writers out there that worked your asses off. That's not what I meant, and I apologize. It was more of a. This was a tweener week. 
Yeah, that's what I would call it. It was uh it was just a it was just a bad timing moment, I think, in the release of books in an otherwise totally reasonable year. Oh, an amazing year and uh it just reminded me that, you know, the downtime's coming up. You know how little books come out in December and um you know, we're already about to go into November. Halloween's coming up. I've gotten Halloweeny as much as I can, and uh, I've satisfied my inner goth. I've hit bottom and came back up, and now I'm just seeing things in new light. And everyone always just calls me like some faggy witch, but whatever. I've I've got my mental capacities in in order, and I'm I know how to rebuild, redesign, and I've got the <laughs> I've got the path you know laid out in front of me, and I'm excited for it. And I'm really excited for some downtime while things, you know, hibernate and gestate and, you know, it's uh, witch talk. It's it's all just mental. People are like, oh, you put a, put a spell on me. Like, no, 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 no. No, I, it's 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 all it's all self. Um, it's all self-control. It's mindfulness and controlling every stray thought and not losing tempers and doing, you know, doesn't always work. But uh Really good interview with Ed Norton today on Mark Maron's podcast, by the way. Oh, no way. Yeah, uh, yeah, he talked at length about the Hulk, which was surprising. Um, and before we get to that, he talked about Fight Club a bit, and he was like, uh, he met up with Brad Pitt, and Brad's like, you know, this is going to be, this is the best movie I'm ever going to be in. And I've heard that quote before. And they go to like one of the main screeners when it first comes out and they're in the back. And before they get there, he's like, how do you think it's going to go? And Pitt's like, not good. <laughs> he's like, all right, you want to get high? Cause apparently <laughs> Pitt always had a joint on him and they sat in the back and they watched people leave. They watched people get sick. And in, and I'm thinking about this and like, they said it was a commercial flop. I had no idea. Like in my mind, really? in my mind, that movie was like Oscar worthy, <laughs> but then it, it got me thinking while he's talking because uh, it's it's one of those grassroots things where your fan base is so rabid but intelligent, like 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 a like uh-huh. like Tool fans. Like when the new album came out, um, wasn't surprised that you know all the records you know topped the charts, Billboard, you know uh, the record sold out immediately. No surprise to me because that's just what we do. And then they they talked about it. They talked about the idea of Fight Club, that it was made for the right people, and it went to the right people. There's not that many of us. I, I, I didn't I didn't think about it. Huh. I didn't I didn't think about it in that sense, but it went to the right people. And then, of course, you know, DVD sales, and then you know the, the people that are about it. Every time it comes out in a new format, uh, you, you know, you buy it just just cause. I haven't. Let me let me interject there. I haven't bought it because I have the same copy I've had since what 2000 i've had and uh i've had are you talking about the one that's the double disc one that came in that looked like a uh like it was wrapped in paper yeah, in like paper a, a paper bag like a, or yeah I, I, yeah like a parcel yeah that's the that's the ultimate one in my opinion which is why i've only bought the blu-ray i've only bought the blu-ray just so i, I had it oh i should get it on blu-ray see that's the thing i've only bought that one and i felt like an a-hole because it felt like when i paid for it because I didn't have the money, I didn't have a decent job back then, so I didn't have the money, and I and I thought about it, and I was like, "Why am I paying more for this movie?" It was worth that every would penny. Be pissed off at me, 
if I was paying this much for it. I know, know? especially when you put the DVD in and it says, if you're reading this, then this message is for you. (laughs) Like, uh, yeah, yeah, um, I understand. But then, like, it's funny we bring up Tool because um, I had just bought Tool's Salival, like, maybe a couple weeks beforehand, and I didn't have... I didn't want to buy the VHS because in my mind, the DVD was the ultimate one, and, but I didn't have a fucking DVD player and I was uh, bagging groceries at the commissary at Anderson Air Force Base Guam and I'd leave work with two, wow. three, $300 in my pocket sometimes and the BX was right catty corner if anyone's ever, if we got any Guam listeners or lived in Anderson, it's right catty corner. I was 18, 17 years old. Walking out with two, three hundred bucks in my pocket, I walked right across the, uh, right across like in a diagonal pattern into the BX, and I went in and I saw Fight Club was out, and I was okay, so I'm buying the ultimate one. It was like twenty dollars. Couldn't believe I was twenty paying twenty dollars for something like that at the time. And um, I know, and I realized I don't have a DVD player because I already had Salival. So I go to the, I'm like, well, screw it, and I go to the uh, the DVD area, and they had an Apex, like they had all these like. Sony was like $300, $400, and they had this brand called Apex, and it was $95, <laughs> and that thing was the best DVD player. I'm, I mourn its death. It lasted maybe 15 years. It it played every format imaginable. PAL, uh, the, wow. the UK version, it played everything that you can possibly want it to do, uh, like, like an open format DVD player, if you, you guys don't remember that, and... Oh, it was, I was so happy with it. And then uh, after that, you know, my parents started buying DVDs because we, we, you know, why not? And stupid story. Sorry, guys. It's been like, it's been an odd. I, I feel like you and I have been like in a, like in a, in a, in a fog and I'm, I'm, we're coming out of it and I'm, I'm trying to be excitable and tell you a cool story, but like, I don't know. I hope, I don't know. I hope no, you guys man, remember the first time like, you bought your DVD player or something. <laughs> It's so weird to think about that stuff because I remember not having a DVD player and then you suddenly like, oh man, I just made the leap. Like I remember my first CD player. Yeah. And I was a freaking senior in high school. CDs had been around forever. And like, you know, somebody gave me a boombox. My mom gave me a boombox for Christmas. It had a CD player and uh, she gave me the Jurassic Park album. What was the first disc I went out and bought? The interview with the vampire school. No shit. Like, I could have gone and got anything. I could have gone and got uh, STP, but I wasn't into them yet. I could have gone and got NXS, but my cousin had all of those uh, on CD. So I was like, I was like copying them to cassette um, because I just didn't trust that CD was going to last. It's so weird to think about when these markers in technology make a difference and there were epic quests back then to come up with a dvd like you you weren't guaranteed to come up with a copy of a movie not at all in certain parts of the country you know yeah you might have to you might miss that initial release they're sold out and then have to come back a you know week or two weeks later and uh you felt terrible you felt like a loser maybe my dad, but um, my dad pointed out when I bought the DVD, he's like, "They're just gonna make another format in the next couple of years." And I'm like, "Okay, I'm happy with my DVD player." And then blue, then it was the HD disc and the and the Blu-ray disc. Yep. Uh, by the way, interesting point of uh, knowledge here. Do you know why Betamax 
lost out to VHS? I feel like it's one of those things I knew, but it has been replaced in the RAM of my brain, and uh, I don't remember anymore. What's the deal? Okay, so uh, a lot of people don't know Sorry, this. Sorry, I just dropped my script uh, on that. A lot of people don't know this, and I'd like to interview some uh, amateur porn stars about this, but back before oh. back back before uh back before you know you could just like you know prove that you're 18 and make some videos and make forty thousand dollars making some weird incest shit on fucking uh porn and i'm not trying to be lurid here i'm just telling you how it is um the 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 mafia owns the porn the porn industry like from what i understand if you started making money on porno uh, you'd get a knock at your door eventually, and it'd, it'd be a shakedown. And Betamax lost out to VHS because the porn industry picked VHS, period. That is why Betamax, which was a better format, lasted longer, lost to VHS. Because the porn industry picked VHS. And why do you think... Remember, remember, wow. remember, okay. remember when Blu-ray players started coming out? There was Blu-ray players that had the, the Blu-ray disc that you buy the disc and the, 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 the jewel case was blue. And then there was the HD format, which was brown. Um, the porn industry went in Blu-ray and then HD is gone. I thought that, uh, well, you're, you're asking a different question than what I thought. My, 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 I guess my answer to what your dad said, uh, which hi, hi, Joshua's dad, by the way. <laughs> no. uh, yeah. A lot of love for you, man. A lot of love. Hey, Dad. And um, I've only met him the one time. Uh, he's, just, he's 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 my hero. He's he's an incredible. He's the coolest guy ever. Guy. Uh, it's it's that. Um, I don't think that we can get any more high def with what we're presenting to the human eye. The human eye can't see it any more clear. I just saw a and that's uh, an that. Ad, I just saw we an advertisement. Limited. I just saw an advertisement for an <clears throat> HK television instead of 4K. Fucking place the crap is that? 4K HK? Yeah, 8K instead of 4K. Uh, 8K. Yeah, apparently What re- do we need that for? I I, I don't know. Uh, apparently like the like the the way they marketed it, I saw the commercial was that you get to see the sweat on the football player's forehead and I don't care about that. Um Yeah, nobody's nobody needs that. It's only going to make the movie industry even harder to <laughs> to work. If you can see in that great detail, the makeup artists are going to like the makeup artists are going to be, you know, running for the hills on that one. How the. Uh, oh, precisely. Yeah, you, you, That's what happened when HD, uh, when when Star Trek Enterprise season four started the uh, the uh, the material, the content they were developing was so crispy clean that you could see every weird thing going on with anybody's face. You could see. The razor bumps you could see, yeah. like the yeah, the makeup artists could not deal with it, and then suddenly you could see every stitch in a uniform, and it was like, uh, we got to rein this in a little bit. Now that's the glory of film. It's it's <clears throat> man, I it, it's one of those things where uh, I'm torn because I don't want to like I'm I'm getting older, and I don't want to sound like an old geezer or something like that, you know where you hear kids use words like fam and that's fire and 
all this other stupid shit. And I was, I, I, I detect that those words are words that I love what you're talking I, about. It's totally lit. Yeah. I, I imagine those words are not actually used. Those are words that adults think that, uh, kids use. So they use them like, like, <laughs> like back in the day when people would say that that's the bomb or that's whack. Uh, people didn't really use that word unless they were joking as opposed to using it as their main, uh, vernacular, which, um, always hurt my ears when i'd hear like like we don't use that word or at least i don't i don't remember the crowd that uses that word i, I remember the crowd that uh is pretty much just me and and even then we we enunciate um uh one thing i do want to make clear is we need to talk about watchmen and we need to go in depth we're oh, we, yeah, sure uh did you manage to watch episode two yesterday i didn't see it on um so i've been i'm staying in this hotel and i have <laughs> nine channels of hbo or something and i exaggerate but there's a bunch of hbo and uh i had i i just casually had the tv on while i was making some dinner last yeah. night after work what 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 we all don't know is that i have taken a props job on a movie so i'm uh not in tulsa right now i'm 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 working on a show that's in pre-production out uh out of tulsa but still in Oklahoma, and when when we eventually explain what it is, you'll be like, "Oh, well, that's obvious." Is it? But, is it? Um, is it one know, of so those? Is it one of those tornadic <laughs> or torticular t- uh, uh, genre movies? <laughs> it's torticular for sure. It's got a lot of torsion. Um, do Do you have debris? <laughs> <laughs> there's There's not yet. I don't have debris yet, but I will have some debris. <laughs> will, will, will you have uh, Will you have to production design and set dress some debris? <laughs> no, I will prop debris. I will have prop debris this time. Uh, yeah. Point being, um, <clears throat> so I just turned on the TV while I was making dinner in this place, and uh, there was obviously in a second it was the Watchmen, and I I came in and when I. I don't know anybody's names. Uh, I don't. I just really missed all of that. Angela, something or another, was talking to Louis Gossett Jr. and uh, she said something about telekinesis, and I instantly went, "Oh, this is that new Watchmen show that I wouldn't otherwise get to watch." And because um, uh, I'm just not that guy that's paying for every streaming service, and I'm not that guy that. I mean, you know, everybody Joshua is constantly like you know, Hey, let's watch this thing. And I'm like, uh, I can't because I'm not paying for that right now. But, uh, I, that doesn't I, always, stop I do. Ha- I do have to make light that I am a 37 year old military brat. My dad is hooked the fuck up. No, no debt. And he gave me and my sister, the login for his direct TV. And, uh, because of that, oh, that's nice, we had, yeah. Because of that, we have everything, and so another good shout out to That's my king, really great. Uh, to my king, my dad. Um, okay, so in, in order <laughs> to talk about dad Watchmen, love for a not not a Father's Day week. <laughs> no, my dad's my dad's the coolest guy in the world. We watch NASCAR, we grill. He's like any any bit of advice he gives That's so me. Mean, it's, man. That's I, I, I swear to God, man, the guy is the coolest guy in the world. It's so odd. Um, it's, I was. Uh, Picking this to someone the other day, and we were talking about military brats, and I was like, when my dad his retirement ceremony, he was funny as hell. The place was packed. It was a ton of people that had a bunch of amazing 
well thought out gifts. Um, like Robin and I both graduated from the University of Oklahoma. I've got an English literature degree and Robin has an aviation degree. Our entire basement is OU. And when he was retiring from the Air Force and senior master sergeant, he um, he didn't want to do chief because then he'd be gone forever and just tired of taking orders. Immediately went to Northcom. Uh, they one of his buddies who was uh, a Texas fan, by the way. Um, he he had something wrapped in a blanket, and he's like, "It pains me to give it to you." And he unra- he gives it to my dad. My dad unwraps it. It is a framed letter from the. Oklahoma Sooners football coach at the time, Bob Stoops, uh, thanking him not only for- who's that? Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he doesn't have a rock and mullet like Mister Gundy, asshole. Um, <laughs> uh, he's got a uh, yeah, yeah, uh, agreed. And, a what? Uh, anyway, um, he's the the letter was thank you for your service. Uh, your service in Iraq. Thank you for oh, uh, being in from Bob from Bob Stoops. Yeah. Personally, personally signed. Oh my gosh. Personally wow. signed. Thank you for your service. Thank you for uh, your kids being Sooners. Thank you for being a diehard Sooners football fan. And, and uh, when they, That's it, it works in like in a succession, they, they like a friend gives you a gift and then they put it on a table and you get it later. The guy tried to take it, but I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> he just held on to it. <laughs> he just held on to it. And uh, he was just the funniest guy. And uh, um, All right, so Watchmen. Robin and I went so the Watchmen. and saw this. <laughs> Robin and I went and saw this when it came out. I, I gave her this book ooh, when she was like 12, 13. Um, and my sister was is exceptionally intelligent and she understood the book i didn't even i had to like i had to break down a couple of things for her being a little bit more adult because there's adult uh situations and why they would do the whole uh teleport the you know the squid in um the the breakdown about why night owl and silk specter 2 um night owl 2 and silk specter 2 uh the 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 relationship and that whole scene why that was important when they like you know made love for the first time uh, mm-hmm, uh th- there mm-hmm. was a lot of things um she got but there was a couple she just had a few questions on and just uh we pieced them together she messages me she's like hey this watchman is amazing and i'm like oh, shit that's tonight and that was two weeks ago and um i put it on and i am stopped dead in my tracks um well, what did you like about it? How did it how did it go that what was the way that you, well, you really did? Well, I rewatched it and then it was like three in the morning and I sent her like a hundred messages about my theory about this. And uh, I messaged her yesterday and like, hey, we're gonna use all these notes from our text messages. She's like, Yeah, you sent me a lot of messages. I woke up with like thirty missed messages. Um <laughs> first and foremost, the Tulsa race riots, that upset me. They gave us a little bit of a crash course from that at OU. And to let us know, like, hey, there's a little shameful bit of history here in Oklahoma. <laughs> and here's a little bit of what to know. And uh, I'd like to think that what they sh- depicted was exaggerated. And. But it probably wasn't. It's it certainly even if it was over exaggerated, it certainly probably captured the overall feel of fear and prejudice and injustice 
and the need for the Watchmen. And the kid, you know, his his uh his his escape car crashes, he finds the girl and he walks towards the fire. And then the the way they depict it when they show the the actual title of each episode, it's it it over it's overwhelming the way it's it doesn't just scroll across the screen. All of a sudden in the bright yellow uh watchman font it tells you the name of of this particular episode the first episode being it's summer and we're running out of ice um as a writer mm-hmm. as as a writer if you're writing this and and we're i'm gonna have to get into the breakdown of uh doomsday clock in a minute before we really we truly finish this you're writing something that everyone is going to want to hate Especially because you know the fact. Oh, good point. Especially because yeah. you know the fact that Alan Moore has taken his name off of everything. Uh, it still says Dave, it still says Dave Gibbons, but, but like if if I was a producer on this, I would have said uh, created by Dave Gibbons and dot 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 or redacted, like just to give him the fuck you. We we love your work and we're trying to continue it and make you proud. Just give them a dot, dot, dot or something like that. But you're using that font and all of a sudden it appears in great big perfect letters behind this kid carrying uh, a, a baby. He has no idea who it is with a note in his pocket that says, watch over this boy in very specific language. And it's it's overwhelming if you understand what's going on. And then you get introduced to, we've got Don Johnson. I know Don freaking Johnson. We've got Don Johnson, and I'm sorry, guys, if you don't know anything about anything, and you think Don Johnson is some '80s guy, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, uh, uh, you you don't understand, and obviously we're partial. Uh, but oh, I'm an we, enormous we, Miami Vice fan, and I've loved him <laughs> in everything I've ever seen him in, even if he was a total dick in the past, like. Oh, especially the guy delivers. He he always delivers. I I, I do like the fact that we haven't had that uh, Me Too moment from him yet, or a uh, or his voice recording calling his daughter a a pig or something like that. You know. Um, we, we, oh, in all these years and years, yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, he, he's obviously an alcoholic. I love it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, we've got Tim Blake Nelson being the Looking Glass. The the simple names, and then my heart fell straight out of my ass when I see Regina King because I was not prepared because all I knew was that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross was doing this music, and that's all I wanted. All I needed to hear was Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross. We're good. Uh, well, what? Why is she so important? Well, I, dude, I've been in love with Regina King since fucking Friday. <laughs> Um, oh, okay. I've never seen that. You've never seen Friday? Dude, Friday. I've been in love with that woman. She was the voice of Huey and um, uh, Riley from the Boondocks. That woman can talk back and forth in two different voices like it's nothing. The woman is an exceptional goddess. She is like, I would like to have lunch with her or, or just buy her a coffee and just pick her brain from the amount of exceptional um, collegiate level work that she's done in film, cinema, theater, you name it. And of course, Tim Blake Nelson, you know, that guy. I do. Yeah. I worked with him on a movie in New York once he was uh, directing it. 
And uh, I got a copy of that. I got to sit down and watch it. I don't get it. I don't get this. I don't sit down and watch a lot of the things I've worked on. There was a, a lot of things that uh, stuck out in my mind from this particular first episode. Number one, you see Adrian. He's played uh, one of the things that uh, is hinted on, uh, not really hinted, but they it's not the sledgehammer most people uh, in 2019 are used to, that he's a closet homosexual. Uh, that he has uh, been declared legally dead because they can't find him. He's got all these um, twin esque butlers and uh, major d's and and uh, whatever you want to call it in his in his chateau. What it looks like in um, yeah in his chateau. Yeah. And I swear to God, I swear I saw Doctor Fate's helmet in his in his um dining area it looked like dr fate's helmet which leads me at just exploded my mind uh constantine another uh, ellen moore uh creation a lot of people don't know that john constantine was created within the pages of swamp thing created by uh, uh john constantine created by ellen moore swamp thing not created by ellen moore but that was pretty much the apex of swamp thing uh despite the new 52's uh greatest efforts also uh it's it it gives that nod to old school DC. And then when you start thinking about the Tulsa race riots, it reminded me immediately upon second, because, you know, I got to watch it two times. Uh, you enjoy it. And then you go and dissect it was that history is always written by the winners. Yeah. All right. Written by the winners. <clears throat> and that leads into the idea that there's uh they, you keep seeing the advertisements for, the hooded justice story and hooded justice was not the leader of the watchman. The watchman was a failed experiment. A lot of people don't understand. They were never really a team. Even in the pages of the comic book, they were never all in like one great giant battle. It was basically one meeting where the comedian shit on everything and lit the, lit the map on fire. Oh, yeah. They never uh -huh. were a cohesive unit. It, it 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 was a failed experiment that accidentally got named, and then the public ran with it. Who watches the Watchmen? Hooded Justice was never the leader. If anyone was the leader, it was always Adrian because he was the smartest. But then you've got all these loose cannons, like the Batman, Night Owl. You've got the God, Doctor Manhattan. You've got the the uh, the the sexy uh, uh, woman of the night, not. Uh, Silk Spectre one and two, uh, Hooded Justice. I, I mean, uh, the, the that one guy, uh, one of them ended up in 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 a mental institution that I can't remember his name. Um, um, one of them was murdered for being a lesbian. I mean, this was groundbreaking oh, right. work, that. even in the comic book. Why would they focus on a, a major television event like a Dateline event like back in the day? Remember when? Uh, remember when Oprah interviewed Michael Jackson? It, I'm really trying stretching. Well, well, even one. then, um, well, even then, it, it, as long as long huh. as you can picture that, that's what they're reaching for. Like yeah. all of a sudden, Hooded Justice is is the guy, and then we've got another bunch of connotations here. Hooded Justice has a noose dangling around his neck they yep. uh, has a noose thing around his neck and and then i was really upset because it will it, it subsided that they would equate rorschach with the white power uh ku klux klan movement here and at 
I was like, why would they do that? He was the one that that stood for black and white, no gray area. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, I get it. <laughs> easy, easy, easily reciprocal, easily created. Uh, you can make a a, a crappy uh, gym sock into a Rorschach max, and that's what these guys were using to promote their terrorist organization. Which you see them in a trailer, and like, of course they like they they raid the trailer park, and that's where most of these guys are, and they're dissecting watches and collecting old batteries, gears, which is obviously a reference to uh, when uh, Manhattan was talking about his childhood when his dad taught him how to reassemble a watch, which a lot of people don't understand, which is with that whole point in that, in the, in the comic book, when uh, he's flashing back after his molecules have been completely disseminated um, that he reassembled himself because of his knowledge of how to reassemble a watch that his dad taught him. And so there's that. Mm -hmm. Also, we've got uh, Regina King. She is, uh, making some cookies, uh, some for for a, a class in Tulsa, and she's telling her story. She was born uh, in in Vietnam, and you know, post uh, pre war, uh, before before peace, that sort of thing, and came back, became a cop, and you know, they found out who she was. Uh, the Rorschach troops knew who she was, and you know, assassinated a lot of cops one night. And she said that making cookies was a lot safer than. Um, being a police officer and one of the little white kids in the class and forgive me I did not mean to say that with any sort of hatred in my voice was like did you buy that with red fredations which is and it takes a second this is a thoughtful thoughtful television show your mind heard reparation but what he said was red fredations and you see spray paint about redford uh that's obviously a uh I don't know, a quip, a, a, a hateful, backhanded, passive-aggressive slur to the American people that we've elected the new president as Robert Redford, as, as <clears throat> Reagan was when Watchmen actually came out, even though they actually focused on, on Nixon. If you see one of the flashbacks or one of the, the things that they in the pod when um, the mirror is, is interrogating a gentleman... Uh, you see Mount Mount Rushmore with a fifth face, and it's Nixon, which is a, a throwback to Nixon helping negotiate the peace with uh, the Russians and the rest of the entire world. When uh, oh, after the after Ozzyman died, yes, after in, in, if you're either reading the book or you're either uh, watching the the movie uh, in the book, uh, it was the all the artists and the scientists were disappearing and it turned out they were engineering a giant race of squids to teleport using <laughs> the, the stolen Dr. Manhattan technology, attacking technology to unite the world that we have one united threat and we're all one in the movie. It was, you know, the, they use the technology to uh, destroy certain cities without the giant squid, which was a lot more believable and a lot more palpable for most people that wouldn't understand that and or hadn't played Dungeons and Dragons before. Uh, and that's not a joke. That's just seriously why they picked it. And so you've got those two things. And in the television show, we have their usurping the movie in certain aspects 
that when Regina King is taking her adoptive child home after uh, that little white kid said, did you, did you buy your shop with red fredations? And her adopted child immediately yeah. attacks him. And why'd you do it? You wanted to do it. And then you hear a siren. And if you're anywhere from Oklahoma, uh, you know, there's a tornado coming and, and you better turn the radio on <laughs> and check your text messages very quickly. But there's an immediately uh, a hailstorm of not hail, but small little squids that stink. And she immediately gets out. She already has like a uh, a rubber wiper to get get it off the get it off the car. Oh, weird. Get, All of this stuff you're talking about that I missed. I how long was this episode? It's a it's a solid like uh, I want to say an hour, hour and five minutes. Um but you, you have to realize that I've been studying Watchmen since I was a child. And so there's things that I've, I'm not saying I'm like Mr. Uber badass Watchmen guy. These are just what I picked up. I'm not even halfway through my notes uh, for my rapid succession of machine gun fire text messages I sent to my sister because I didn't want her to think that I um, just wanted her to know I'm paying attention. Um, yeah. Let's see here. What else? Wood rain, Rorschach. <laughs> what uh, you mentioned this last night because we briefly talked about this last night, and uh, sorry, I went totally dead there. Um, <laughs> you, we talked because we were talking about we were talking about Louis Gossett Jr. And then uh, what do what do you feel about whole whole Jeremy Irons situation? Uh, the Jeremy Irons situation, I almost got on that and I got distracted. Uh, the closet homosexual thing. He's the perfect uh, prissy English guy that may or may not be gay to play this, and someone that I'm absolutely mm-hmm. terrified of from all. Like I, I'm not, I, I didn't find him terrifying in Die Hard Three, but I like I hate the guy for for Lion King, like, and that's just embedded in me. And they they utilized it. What a better way! What a what a super hyper intelligent way to make someone ominous and scary simply because of his voice. It doesn't matter if you're 50, 80, or ten years old. You know what Scar's voice sounds like, and he is not to be trusted. And and then you see him shirtless in in episode two, and he's putting on a play with uh, his clone. Uh, butlers and maids, and and he yeah. he, he how why how did he that exit like the, they're they're actually uh doing rehearsal of the creation of Doctor Manhattan when his tachyons were separated, and they put one of the butlers in a in a boiler on stage and literally burn him to death to make the Jane like freak out over that and then oh hey you're you're his number two okay yeah you're you're my number one now like he's dead get rid of that body and so it's a lot more intense than you think and for some reason he's putting on a play about the watchman about and it's starting with the creation of dr manhattan and it's just upsetting his power he he's he's yeah. supposedly dead but he's living in this great chateau in either France or England, and these people worship him, and they're all twins. Um, another thing that Robin, my, my sister, pointed out was like, 
Um, do you think there's something going on under the under the bakery shop? Yeah, there's probably more. Uh, another thing that point uh, I love is that um, great black exploitation theater here. She's not driving a 2019 Dodge Charger Challenger Hellcat. She's driving a like 1984 Cadillac Cutlass, like souped the fuck up, and like uh, mm-hmm. that that very training. It's day. very training day. That is the car she picked, and that car is fast as hell. And obviously, probably bulletproof and all the other good stuff. Um, another thing, Robin pointed out. Well, wait a minute. Didn't somebody? Did anything break about it when the moth crashed? No, on that it? was her regular, uh, like uh, SUV mom car. Yeah. Was it? Um, well, nah, because she was talking to um, she was talking to Tim Blake Nelson in the car when that happened. Nothing broke in that car. Oh, okay. Good. Um. Just so you so you have seen uh, most of episode two, just didn't, haven't realized it. Um, was that episode two, not episode one? Yeah, that was one? episode two when they're when Tim Blake Nelson and her sit. Oh the car. man, so jacked when up. they're sitting when they're sitting yeah, when they're sitting the in the car, thing. and mm-hmm. um, so there's that. My sister pointed out, and this was genius. I never would have caught this. Robin, who is a a pilot, uh, air traffic controller, she's the biggest badass I know, other than my dad and you is that she's like did you notice did they steal night owl's technology and when you uh mm-hmm. at the end of episode one when there's that big shootout in the in the in the uh field with the cows and oh they've got a fucking plane and they're taking off and like oh they're right below you and um don johnson and his lackey are in an archie uh what you think is an archie and what robin pointed out was the fact that this technology was stolen because Archie was malfunctioning. It wasn't working the way Archie did in the book or the movie. They shoot they they shoot it down with fire. Uh, they can't pull up fast enough. They crash. Okay, they still live. But Archie in the book or the comic never would have malfunctioned that way, which implies to me that Archie's technology has been stolen, uh, whether... Uh, they found the patents in the patent office after a while. Uh, but who patents their super vehicle? Dude, not Al would have, man. The guy was on the level. <laughs> the guy was on the level. So we're, we're, I'm thinking stolen technology they can't figure out yet. They haven't reverse engineered it right away because Archie never would have malfunctioned like that. I'm, like, like think, think back to the movie. He's banging Silk Spectre. They they rescue all these people in in a fire. Uh, this thing's getting shot at. Like it, it it immediately starts up ten fifteen years after not being able to be a superhero without any question, without any extra lube, no extra like it didn't need extra gas. Uh, like he didn't have to go under it and, and make sure everything was good. Archie started up right away, so that's what that tells me. And Robin pointed that okay. out. Stolen tech. And then when uh, she confronts Lewis Gossett Jr. And, well, he confronts her. Like, hey, get your ass over here. You think I can lift 200 pounds? Uh, the ominous question. And she gets to the, I know who you are. Don't wear no goddamn mask. Get to this tree. And gets there and Don Johnson's hanging. And Tim Blake Nelson's like, he suffered the whole damn time. I love those details. Not because I like the... Uh, someone suffered 
but that extra detail that he like his his fingers have rope burn um no yeah that was for yeah like all that extra stuff and then the flashbacks of her being held in his arms dancing there's obviously some relationship well we, we talked about that earlier yesterday there's a relation well they all dude tim blake nelson's character was like she was like, oh, you know, you're a cold, cold guy. And he was like, why am I crying under this mask? I mean, I think they all, and even the communist character. Yeah. Oh, dude, I, I love that guy. <laughs> broken up. I love that guy. They were all torn up over this guy. And yeah. and, and and then the development of the characters that you would be torn up of this guy. And, and then Louis Gossett Jr. is like, he's got skeletons in the closet. And she goes to uh, the wake and she's got those infrared glasses and she finds... Yeah. His his Ku Klux Klan outfit, just the way the comedian, um, the way that Rorschach found the comedian's uh, outfit after he was murdered. You remember that? Uh, yeah, vaguely. C- complete uh-huh. throwback when when the comedian was murdered. Uh, Rorschach invaded the apartment, um, sensing something else was going on. Uh, found the secret button and found out that uh. Eddie Blake was the comedian found that button that the closet opened up and there's a secret closet in the closet. And there was the comedian's armor and his, his outfit. This was the complete opposite of that. She finds out that the guy that she's loved, the guy that she, that helped her was waiting for her when she woke up after she got shot in the gut and that a lot of her colleagues were murdered, was waiting for her to tell her the lowdown. And are you still in? And yeah, we're in. And, you know, let's let's do this. Let's let's take it to the next level. And that was the parallel there. The flip the flip flop there. She finds his his Ku Klux Klan outfit with his police badge on it. And she goes back to the bakery where she had handcuffed this seemingly paraplegic guy. And he's eating. He's eating some eggs. And she's like, yeah, yeah. And uh, how did you get out? He's like, oh, I told you. Went across. She's like, "Where'd you get that food?" I went across the street. She's like, "You went across. You broke out of your bondage, went across the street, got some food, and came back to the place I was keeping." He, she's like, "Yeah," <laughs> and uh, and you mean to tell me you didn't know any of this shit was going on? You 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 suspiciously tell me that he has skeletons in the closet, and I found this. And she throws the clan outfit at him. And he's like, yeah. And she had tested her DNA at the uh, the museum early that day and found out. And then she got the phone call that this old man is her grandfather that she had only heard whispers about. Right. And That's he's like, I just uh, I just wanted to meet you and see what I could do. And then she's like, you're under arrest. And he's like, I've got contingencies. They'll come get me. <laughs> and. uh and we get uh, all, all the like, so we've seen the legions of people that worship Rorschach. We've seen the people that worship Adrian. We have only hintings of what's going on with people that in any way understand that Manhattan even existed. And then he's saying that he's got people that'll help him out. She, and, and, and one of the beautiful parts about this, about this, the subtlety. And this is one of those things that only actors do when they're trying to write in between the lines. Is, am I saying that right? Well, when their performance is, um, they, 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 they're not allowed to say anything extra. They're, they're supposed to like, like she, uh, 
scene two, you pick up old guy, put him in car. But they add some extra spice to it. When she picked this old guy up, she picked him up like she was picking up her ancient relative. That Even though she just met him, there was love in that embrace. There was an embrace in that in that her picking him up and putting him in the front seat, not the back seat. There was an embrace in that. That was some excellent actor work. Huh. And okay. then the big giant magnet comes down and an Archie comes and picks this guy up. So we know there's a legion of people devoted to the night owl that we have to, uh, that that's, that's, that's my uh, anticipation. That's my, I don't know. Um, my dissection from what's happened so far. Uh, all I know is, is even though if I don't immediately wake up thinking about Watchmen, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross's music is stuck in my head <laughs> and it is not on Apple Music yet. It's not available for download, and but you can do the pre-order for the vinyl. And that, Jesus, like, let me check here. Four, 30 minutes of me talking about that? <laughs> it's, it's, and that's just uh, two. Yeah, longer than that. <laughs> that. That's just two episodes. And it's Regina King and devoted actors and devoted um, writers and directors and producers, and I, I, I can only imagine uh, what the set would feel like as a production designer or a props master. What would you think to be working on this? Um, I would think that Tulsa doesn't look like that, and uh, they should be filming it in Tulsa. But I understand because the infrastructure is it. I'm, this is me as a representative of the Oklahoma film community and a representative for Oklahoma filmmakers. And uh, I don't think that a lot of people think that Oklahoma exists as a film community and why, or, or as a filming destination. Um, I automatically was just frustrated with seeing all of that Tulsa specific stuff and going people, people in Tulsa don't talk like that. I know it's an alternate reality. I know it's another universe. You know, that uh, that Tulsa, that that race riot reparation center doesn't exist. And um, we are only right now, like, dealing with the uh, the reality of it. There are people that live up right by that area. And. Um, my son and his mom lived right there for a while, and it is a depressed area because. I don't know. I mean, people are going in and buying those properties and fixing them up and stuff like that. There's a particular part of our society that's making a, a deal out of that, but it's, I don't know. It's a complicated issue. And we're all, I think in a way that isn't woke, just deciding we should look into it. And <clears throat> I can only hope that we can, um, that we can just take it into ourselves rather than make it another divisive force. But I, I missed that whole first episode. I didn't even realize what I was watching was the second episode until you explained it to me. Um, I feel, you know, I just, I must've missed the first 20 minutes or something. I just don't know. I give it a uh, As a filmmaker, I mean, the, the costumes were interesting because they were downplayed, but they were still relevant. Like, 
relevant. They were still realistically Watchmen. Um, I, I'm Jeremy Irons, for, the entire thing was just creepy as hell, man. I'm looking forward to the knockdown drag out because uh, th- this is going to play like a video game. Before you get to the big bad boss, you before you beat Crane, you got to beat the Shredder. Before you beat the Shredder, you got to beat Bebop and Rocksteady. And before you defeat Adrian, you got to defeat the Glass Mirror. Tim Blake Nelson is going yeah. to be one of the biggest villains in this. Um, now, what I need to let you guys know, it's going on if you haven't been reading. Uh, it's been almost two and a half years uh, that we've been uh, reading uh, Doomsday Clock. And what's happening in Doomsday Clock is similar to the intro of what's happening in the Watchmen television show. Rorschach's uh, diary was delivered to that uh, entertaining rag that eventually realized that what was written was true and exposed Adrian. And Doomsday Clock starts after that, and there's a new Rorschach, and Adrian has recruited the new Rorschach, and they're using a modified interdimensional Archie to go to the uh, equivalent of the Marvel 606 of DC. They haven't, uh, to my knowledge, they haven't really named it in terms of multiverses. Um, Doctor Manhattan retreated into the actual. Uh, DC Universe. And he's having trouble figuring out his future because for the first time, all his future memories, because everything's happening at the same time, ends with a showdown with Superman. And they introduce two new characters, and this is all I'm going to talk about it, because you have to read it and make sure you go to your local uh, bookstore. And and get them if whether it's a graphic novel or try to find the individual issues is the mime and the marionette. Uh, y'all freaked out when you were kids about Harley Quinn. You don't know shit. You haven't met the mime and the marionette yet. Like you think Harley Quinn is cool. You think that you can dress up as a couple's costume with Harley Quinn in her abusive, awesome, awesome. Awesomely awful piece of shit boyfriend, the Joker. Then just wait till you meet the mime and the marionette. That's all I got for watching, brother. I'm sorry. So damn bored. I'm so bored of, and I feel just Joker related, Harley Quinn related. Everything is just, it is done. It is done. Please. We oh, 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 it. oh, it's done. And I, I see child's, costumes for harley quinn I, I would like to dress my kid as a uh a girl that accepts an abusive relationship from a crazy ass meth head at the very least <laughs> and always betray her best friends when she breaks up with them and they get back together it, it's it's not a good thing it's something you really need to read into and uh but sorry guys an hour on watchmen uh it it lit a fire <laughs> that hot under my whole asshole not just half of it yeah your whole asshole dude <laughs> <laughs> we've got your some comics to talk asshole. about that's so funny <laughs> 
Tony Stark, Iron oh, Man, man. The Amazing Mary Jane, Do Star we? Wars, King Thor number two, Avengers number twenty five, Marauders number one, Wonder Woman number eighty one, Justice League Dark number sixteen, and the Ice Cream Man number fifteen, baby. <laughs> Tell me how much what are we? Mary Jane's comic book sucked. Uh I don't even remember there being a credits page. Um <laughs> Like you just boom, you're open and you're right in there. And it's like, I have no idea what's going on at all. Uh, Leah Williams is a writer. Carlos uh, Gomez is the penciler. Carlos Gomez also is the inker and the colorist. Um, Honestly, the art was pretty good for the most part. It was pretty, pretty good. Very consistent. Mary Jane looked great. Uh, VC's Joe Caramagna was the, uh, letterer. Um, and then, you know, CB Sebelewski is the, is one of the editors, Nicholas Lowe and, uh, Kathleen Wisekny was, was Necky, was sorry, dudes, guys, everybody, I'm so sorry, we butcher everybody's names. Um, Mary Jane is working on a movie in L.A. She's dating Peter. They're on the phone later in one of those, like, you can tell how much time is elapsing from one panel to well, the next because well, Peter is off being Spider-Man and stuff. You have, cute, to under- you have to acknowledge the last episode or issue of uh, Spider-Man before he got into, uh, they, they pulled in Amazing Spider-Man into the full absolute carnage. <clears throat> was him finishing up a caper and missing lunch and missing uh, saying goodbye to Mary Jane on her way to L.A. and then saying sorry that this is happening again. And she's like, yeah, that's just the way it is. And then uh, Aunt May saying, like, "You, yeah, this is the way it is. We got to make it better. That's kind of how they broke up originally before the whole Mephisto plot and all that stuff. Uh, gross anyway yeah it's it was it's a frustrating mess it's uh she's on set working on a movie and uh quentin beck mysterio because he's the obvious token spider villain right now that isn't uh carnage is um He's trying to finance a a movie where he's the protagonist and he's a sympathetic villain character and doesn't apologize for for anything. And he's trying to explain it to Mary Jane because she figured him out. And uh, it's incredulous. Like, 0% of this makes any sense in reality or how it would happen or anything else. And then just, I mean, good God, if, if these characters could... I mean, Mysterio took the place of the director of the movie and has like a baby monitor focused on him in the Antarctic looking after penguins and crap like that. And I'm like, if any of that technology actually existed, it just, I got the same bitch about the Star Wars issue this week. People just talking on their comm links from vast distances in space. Knock oh, that, that out. crap just pisses me off. Knock, Knock it, it out, out because, mean? I mean, just give us a recap because this <laughs> was one of the worst issues of Star Wars I've ever read. This was terrible. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, just jumping over to that, I mean, Star Wars was not good. I mean, it was... This whole plot is tired. I mean, get things done in four issues at this point. I know you don't think that sells something, but when you're charging people like $25 for a hardback of four issues, as I've seen done, or two issues for that much, then what are you losing? Star Wars was written by Greg Pak. It's penciled by Phil Noto, uh, also colored. It's uh, Clayton Cowles is the letterer. And... Um, Oh my God! Tom Groneman and Mark uh, Panicia were editors. Um, I mean, it's still just tragically unfortunate. Luke being a total dipshit, losing his lightsaber to this thief character. No one's gonna care about after this is all over. Chewie and three PO are still on this planet, dealing with Darth Vader and the rock monsters. And Leia and Han are still messing around on this other inscrutably like criminal empire police planet. It just, no, who gives a shit? Let's go. God, it was a three, it was a three issue long (coughs) bullshit story of her planning to steal the lightsaber, stealing the lightsaber and then giving it back. And like, just that could have happened in two pages, maybe eight panels. Um, get this yeah. over with um this this is a oh god i, I don't even know how to describe this the pot this is, boiler story this is this. one of those things that reminds me <clears throat> yeah exactly and it reminds me of like hooking up with some cool chick at a club and then realizing i made a huge mistake and she's reading me her poetry while we're smoking a cigarette outside and it it, it just or worse drags. she whipped out her fucking guitar Ugh. that's Junk. That's happened to me before too. Yeah. It is just just junk. <clears throat> just finish it. Let's get back. Let's get into the the thick and full when you're finishing Empire and getting into Jedi. Let's go ahead and do it. But don't don't do this again. Uh, and and drain our our money and our emotional um, capital because that's not fair. We're invested. Don't take advantage of it. That's um. It's 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 one of those things that like pissed me off about Rogue One was uh, we had a great story it absolutely did not need Darth Maul resurrected it was an, an emotional cash grab at the end and completely sullied the waters of the uh, Ronin warriors that just fixed everything and and we know yeah. it they don't know it. But then, and then you sully the waters like that, and and then oh, Darth Maul, uh, you cut him in half, and now everyone gets cut in half and thrown down a shaft, and any sort of uh, imperial esque uh, Death Star or temple is gonna come back with robotic legs, and 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 don't why why would you do that to us? It, it's like you're basically the same telling us I mean... Santa Claus. <clears throat> No go. They're basically telling us Santa Claus isn't real. <laughs> and when we're six years old, your drunk uncle takes you to Seven Eleven to get a pack of smokes, and he's smoking outside, uh, bumming a cigarette because he's too cheap to actually have had a uh, ask for a free pack of matches. And as the stranger walks by for a light, and he's like, hey, you know. <sighs> Santa Claus ain't real. Your parents are full of bullshit. <laughs> like, 
come on, man. I, I just wanted a pack of chips or or, or an ice cream bar. <laughs> no, 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 no. Your, your parents are actually uh, going to get divorced soon. <laughs> what's di- what's divorce mean? And that's how I feel watching the uh, robotic chair of Emperor Palpatine uh, overwhelm uh, whatever the fuck her name is because I haven't bothered to learn it. Um, what Ray? I guess so. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, for all my complaints about these new Star Wars movies, I I'll say the same thing I've been telling you all week. Uh, the trailer for the new movie inspires me in an unrealistic way, and it's not. I don't want to see the movie because of it. I just kind of want to see it now. But really, I mean, the music has just lifted me completely i've been in a dark place over the weekend and last week uh personally and emotionally and something about hearing the music from that trailer just saved me among other notable people helping me out in a lot of great ways but uh there you have it i've been I, i still think that bringing emperor palpatine back for even voice work is an enormous cop out it, it's it's a it's an enormous disrespect like yeah. watching the enemy die like that 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 was that that made my heart feel good and that 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 happened the way it made my heart feel good that luke completed his mission his end all be all i don't care what any of you guys say i am going to turn my father back to the light uh, whether or not you think yeah. it's going to happen. And it sullies those waters. Uh, whether or not you're a 40-year-old a, a that watched it in the theater or someone that saw the prequels first, it sullies the waters. Why would you do that to us? It, it, it's, it's too much corporate bullshit, too many cooks in the kitchen. And I'm glad you brought up the, the soundtrack helped you because I, I recently acquired a... Uh, an artifact that I've been wanting for years, which is the um, the soundtrack on vinyl for the Ninth Gate, and the the pro- oh right yeah. the the Prague Philharmonic knocked it out of the park in 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 its spin in a not that I'm on edge or anything like that, but Halloween always puts me on edge because it's time for things for death and for things to go to sleep, but having that music in my hands and and falling asleep to it. Uh, has been amazing, uh, especially uh, after reading the latest issue of the Ice Cream Man number fifteen. This one was a mental health issue, which really I, I, I've read three times already because I had to wrap my minds around my mind around it. Ice Cream Man number fifteen, written by uh, W. Maxwell Prince, or art by uh, Martin Morazo, colors by Chris O'Halloran, Halloran. Lettering by Good Old Neon, covered <laughs> by Marazzo and O'Haran, covered by Patrick, covered B by Patrick uh, Horvath, and designed by Ashley Walker. Why did your parents pass? What did your parents pass down to you? There's all these secret messages in the Ice Cream Man, and this girl is in a in insane asylum, and her psychotherapist is approaching her, and she's babbling on and on about a coat uh, that she shouldn't have put on and the orchids and the flowers outside and the psychoanalyst gets a little bit into it beforehand but basically this girl was on a bad date 
She disrespected this guy, said, hey, you're boring. I'm out of here. Let me get my coat. Uh, the ice cream man, who's always like the um, crypt keeper of sorts in all of the issues that introduced some sort of um, anomaly. was like, hey, uh, I don't have your coat. This ticket doesn't match anything, but there's only one coat left, and she gets the coat, so that's great. I'll have a new coat. She walks past this kid with a balloon just hanging out, middle of the night. <laughs> hey, there's a finger in your pocket. She finds a finger, and she's on her way to go hook up with some chick she knows, and and, and it becomes this solid-state mess where her life individually dissects itself because she took something that didn't belong to her. And this kid with a balloon is like the soothsayer on this. And she's trying to take care of her mother who uh, she thinks has lost her mind. But the mother sees everything that's going on. Uh, the madness that this woman descends into is perfectly realized by someone you would think has full-blown dementia. She's like, hey, you got to watch out for that the way a parent would. Uh, I see this going on. And it was something that is kind of a roundabout circle story which a lot of the ice cream man stories actually go into uh where you think that it's a descent into madness and they get out no it's always this weird circle this infinite loop you're caught into and the the missing finger was something else and then the the extra little bits of nuance like the the flowers outside that she's ranting on that no one else can see they're they're actually there yeah it's something i would recommend to someone that is having a, a hard time uh finding their way through the darkness where they keep bumping into uh, especially if they're bumping into avatars of people they think they know uh when they're in a state of confusion uh which has happened to me often where i bump into people and they don't really appear as themselves they they're more of the avatar of the 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 fake or the their mental construction of who they want to to portray to everybody, and I I, I feel like I'm bumping into a lot of mannequins a lot with a, a marionette who's really in control is trying to portray to me, and it's like I smell a lot of bullshit. I can I can see the strings. And I think that's one of the, the main things that the Ice Cream Man really focuses on is I can see the strings. And you're getting a little bit of the... You're not really getting the, the Deadpool fourth wall break where he's like looking at you and like, hey, and see you there watching. No, it, it, it's more of a... It's <laughs> more of a you get to see the strings. And that's all I have to say about okay. that. <laughs> <laughs> What you got next, brother? Uh, we did Star Wars and Mary Jane. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue with stuff that wasn't so hot. Uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man, number seventeen. Um, <clears throat> Christos Gage and Dan Slott writing. Um, Francesco Mana is the penciler and the anchor. I'm not entirely enthused about the artwork anymore. There's just because it's it's a little extreme. Uh, for Iron Man, and I guess you kind of need that for this story, uh, because you have all of these ridiculous blended cyborg people. But I did come into some emotional resonance here, and I'll get back to that in a second. Edgar Delgado, the colorist, uh, 
Joe Caramagna is the uh, letterer. And then we've got four ed- four editors on this. Uh, Shannon Bellesteros, Tom Breveport, C.B. Sabuski, and uh, Elena Smith. So <clears throat> we're still in the midst of this insane situation where that blended Ultron Hank Pym is running around. Oh, Jesus. And anymore, I can't even tell if this is legitimately Ultron and legitimately Hank Pym or it is an Ultron with Hank Pym or... What the hell is going on? But in the end of this thing, we still have Tony Stark having blended into the Iron Man armor. So he's an amalgam. And uh, Jocasta got ripped up. So she finally blended a bit with Machine Man to have his arms and legs and stuff. And it's it's just like... It's just a bunch of like ridiculous cyborg nonsense going on. And uh, I don't even understand what the ultimate plot is anymore. I mean, Ultron was just trying to blend Jocasta and the Wasp into one person to be the bride of Ultron. And we've seen that. We've done that. It's just when is this? When are we going to quit reutilizing plots from the 60s and 70s? And uh I think the real the real saving thing here was looking at Rhodes, James Rhodes, uh, who was War Machine. He's not War Machine anymore. He's been driving around this stupid hover tank or something for a long time because he's got PTSD about being in the uh, War Machine armor. And he's on a kill-crazy rampage, destroying all of these cybernetic uh, havelings, and then they find a cure for it. And so that's he suddenly it. He's like, oh, my God, I killed all of these creatures. Like, that's it. He He's like, I killed all of these people and there was a cure for this that we hadn't found yet. So that's going to be a lasting thing. And in the end, he gets out of the dreadnought or whatever this stupid hover tank is. And he uh, he gets back into the war machine armor. And he's like, there's one thing worse than death and it's total war. And the war machine is is going to war. And I'm like. Okay, so now essentially he's become one of the cyborgs. Even though he was a cyborg back during Dark Reign and uh, Norman Osborn tried to find a way to trick him out of that. But he... uh, I don't know. He's not a cyborg anymore. And it's just so many random, gigantic things have happened in the MCU. Not the MCU, I'm sorry. The Marvel Comics Universe in the Marvel universe of comics at this point that I don't even know what really happened anymore. And when it happens to an unfortunately secondary character like Rhodey, unless you were reading that particular issue, they have to go back and keep telling us over and over what it is about it. That makes any sense or why, why he's not a cyborg. And last I heard he was a cyborg. Well, why he's not a cyborg anymore. Why? How does that happen? Who fixes a guy like that? just seems like that's what Hank Pym would do, but he can't do it while he's half old. That sounds really, really boring. It's just, ugh. Yeah, ultimately, this whole AI business has been a little bit trying, and now, uh, you know, we were like, oh, yeah, the road to 2020, like, months ago. We were kind of excited about it. Now I'm like, if you're just going to keep depicting uh, Machine Man, who is the 2020 character outside of Arno Stark, if you're going to keep depicting him as this like goofball character, 
I just don't know that I give a rip. These are pretty bad, man. I'm and, surprised uh, you even got the whole way through the comic. I've rarely ever put anything down halfway through. Uh, maybe Ultimates Volume 3, Number 1. I actually ripped that one in half. I was so disgusted. Because you can't go from the level of quality of the previous two Ultimates to that and uh, and uh, be anything but revolted. So, anyway, yeah. Yeah, it's just a very disappointing. It just that's another story that needs to come to its conclusion as quickly as possible. I had the same uh, qualms about the latest issue of the Avengers. It was a long drawn out story, which was kind of a cash grab to me because it was really pop culture. Like this is going to satisfy the people that want immediate uh, orgasm or payoff. It, it, yeah. it, it was Okay, so I'm surprised they're even focusing on uh, Robbie, uh, who's the new Ghost Ranger, uh, Ghost Rider, and he's in a end all be all race with Johnny Blaze within the depths of hell. The winner of this race is going to become the king of hell over Mephisto, who is gone, and Johnny Blaze has used every dirty tactic to distract this guy, bring his parents from heaven. Uh, use a um, dead body of a celestial possessed with his dead uh, uncle's uh, soul, which is what actually possessed his death charger. His a uh, he he drives a, a hell charger, um, and a hell that's charger. Yeah, and uh, color Jason Keith with Eric Arciniga, Spirit of of a Vengeance by Jason Aaron and Stefano. Cassielli, Litter, VC's Corey Pettit. Um, let's see. Variant covers. Why are you making it hard for me to find the actual artist? It's Stefano Cassielli. Didn't even <laughs> f- flat out say it. <clears throat> Cosmic Ghost Rider shows up in Avengers HQ. They have a knockdown drag out like anytime, anytime a Avenger meets a Avenger as well. And they getting a fight for a whole two issues and then they show up and help uh, Robbie win the race. Um, apparently he's no longer going to use the hell charger and it, it, he won his freedom from the spirit of vengeance in a way, even though he's still spirit of vengeance and cosmic ghost writers there for some reason, um, because it's another cash grab. It was, it was garbage. <laughs> it was garbage. The artwork was great. The writing was as good as it could have been. But why? This should have been a two-issue thing and then give us something better. I mean, like, hell, uh, I, I would have been happy with a flashback episode or issue where Jarvis um, became the Avengers butler over this shitty absolutely go nowhere issue that they're never going to do anything with unless someone picks some picks it up that really liked it like i did in a way and try to do something better with it in the in the future (laughs) this was this was wasted wasted print it it, come on these things happen it's a rough week it it, it was a rough week man watching captain america fight Johnny Blaze in the depths of hell was stupid. Um, Wonder Woman number 81. 
the cheetah triumphant um we're we're <laughs> wrapping up the uh year of the villain we probably got like uh it's been a long checklist this has been a very big um what's the word ambitious project uh doom has won and my favorite part about this book was the fact that the past couple episodes or issues seeing episodes sorry guys was that the aphrodite has been murdered by the cheetah and all love on earth is dead okay <laughs> and, uh, yeah uh, Diana is doing everything she can to fight the cheetah, despite the fact she's not going to win. And uh, her her girlfriend that is fighting the guy that I assume, because I'm not that schooled on Wonder Woman, is the embodiment of um, what's the guy from uh, Star Trek that was in Wonder Woman? <laughs> uh, Chris Pine. Yeah, Chris Pine. I assume his character... Uh, who has won the love of Diana, the daughter of Aphrodite comes down and says, hey, we got to talk and we have to figure out a way to fix this. I can't do anything. My mother's dead. Love is gone. And I'm tired of fighting with you. You've won. And immediately she levels up, which was kind of funny. All of a sudden she becomes... She levels up. She completely levels up. <clears throat> uh, it was just like in uh, Scott Pilgrim. And he's like, hey, I cheated on both of you. I'm sorry. Oh, rad. I cheated on both of you. I'm sorry. Scott has earned the power of self-respect. <laughs> uh, that's what happened to her. And she, yeah, she totally. ascended to the ranks of uh, Aphrodite and helps Diana beat the cheetah, which was, I guess, redemptive if you've been bothered enough to read this. And that's that's just it. You see the sign of doom in the sky. Uh, she's got some perilous, uh, what do you call it? She's got some uh, bad guys and some storylines in the future, maybe two or three of them that are about to happen, but they're wrapping up the story because obviously they're doing the best to wrap up the Year of the Villain as they possibly could. Jay Willow Wilson, writer, Tom Derenick, penciler, Trevor Scott, and Scott Hanna, inkers, uh, Romulo... Harlo Jr., colorist, color. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you're 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 the villain, and it's a lot. If you've been following this, it was fun, and it was a nice uh five six issue finish. But okay, <laughs> it, it 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 it. I I guess the more and more we read comics, the more and more I, I feel like I've had some wasted time even though that the artist and the writer did their best. Uh, but some things about superheroes are just absolutely asinine. And this could have been a one issue story if it was told in the fifties. Fifties, the sixties, man, I you just get those, that page count and that amount of, uh, <coughs> those Panels. nine panel pages. Yeah. Yeah. This could have been get the content. This could have been two issues. I would have been happy with just two issues. Five, six, no, thank you. Like you're drawing out something really long and large and give us what we want, even if you can't <clears> deliver <throat> all the way. I mean, some of the best stories are not always illustrated by the best artists, like hence the Sandman. Sam Keith almost took his name off oh, the yeah. Sandman. J.O. Barr. 
Yeah, exactly. And just, or, just uh... why extend this so long? Like it, it, it bothers me. Like when I was reading Siege and I'd buy like five issues of, of Captain America to get the gist of what could have happened in one issue. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that really had very little that that wound up as a like a two panel recap in the actual pages of Siege, which was more satisfying than reading the four or five issues of that, uh, especially for itself. Oh, for yourself, it's garbage. Um, what do you got next, man? Uh, I have, I've got King Thor number two. Please tell me this was good. And uh, this was good. This was as good as the first one. It was epically all battle all the time, pretty much. This is a Jason Aaron book with uh, Asad Tibrivik as the uh, penciler and inker, which has its moments. Uh, Ivy Savorny, oh geez, the colorist Ivy Ivy Sforcina, uh, letter Joe Sabino from DC and uh, Sarah Brinstard as an editor, CB Dubuski and Will Moss. Okay. <clears throat> I don't know what else is going on in Thor. But this is amazing. And this is epic mythology. Whether it's tied to anything in Norse mythology or not, this is phenomenal. Just amazing. Phenomenal. It's uh, It barely touched on this idea that Thor had these three granddaughters. They were out there trying to stuff but they like who gives a rip because it was all thor all king thor and all loki and all gore the god butcher and uh they were just ripping up the universe going after one another and every time thor thought okay i'm gaining some traction boom this god butcher would knock him down some and then they then they would deliver a hit and then he'd feel like he was getting some traction and then the god butcher would knock him down again and it just went on and on like that. But like everything was so creative from one attempt to the next. It never felt stale. It never felt unwieldy. It just carried on and it was inconsistently amazing the whole time. And uh, my only beef is like looking at some of the some of the inking. It was just pencil shading. And I. Uh, like was it graphite that over, detracts over, over inks? Yeah, <clears throat> it was you didn't like that. So you could see two layers, and you could. Uh, it has its moments, but somehow it just—it's like it just takes me out of the story to look at that and go, "Well, I see the technique," and it's uh, it's it's removing me from the real from the the reality that I'm trying to look at, but. Uh, Still, and I've been in love with that that sort of style since uh, Billy Tucci with she, but like even then that was a specialty thing. I'm sorry it took you out of it. Like, did did it like was it difficult to finish the story because it kept taking you out of it? No, but it was like okay, I'm having a hard time uh, riding the wave of feeling here because I am paying attention to the technique. It's like when I was watching The Watchmen, and after uh, after a little while, I was like, the foul language is just like, 
You guys are trying too hard. You are insisting on foul language. It's like Stranger Things Season 3. How many times can you say shit in an episode? How many times can everybody say shit in an episode? To the point where it's like, there are, there are other bad words, guys. And if you've got to say a bad word, why are you saying shit over and over and over again? This is the most thing you just, get away with. I guess so. But yeah, I don't know. Honestly, in the end, it was still super badass. I'm just saying, dude, take a look at it. And you might feel at a certain point where it's like, okay, well, this is an egregious use of the same technique repeatedly. Why didn't we try something different? Or I don't know. I mean, like when you can look at what's going on in Silver Surfer Black, which did not come out this this last week, and you can say, holy crap, how can this guy do this much insane, amazing psychedelic content? When you get into King Thor, which is having an insane psychedelic super battle, the likes of which we've never seen before, like planet shattering, Earth, like forget Earth, uh, star destroying battles, and we overutilize the word epic now. This is epic. It is mighty. Everything that they're doing, every hit, is. Something that would destroy a planet or a moon. And uh, it's like, holy crap, this is it. This is the one you've always wanted. This book, if this goes on for three issues or six, if it consistently delivers this much, these many hits. And even then, it still had a moment where it's like, oh, Loki, you turn the tide. Maybe you're, uh, maybe you're the good guy I always wanted you to be. And it's like, haha, no, of course I'm not. And you're just still just like, oh, man. I can totally still get suckered into this because the story is so hardcore and the battle is so incredible. And yet, there's this technique that's just all too obvious. I don't know. No no real diss there because what's going on was just too incredible. So I'm going to say if there's, if there's money to be spent on comics this week, it was right here in King Thor number uh, number two. I only got two more left up, man. Like, uh, I'm saving these ones for the last mm-hmm. because these are kind of ones I get to keep a little bit spoiler-free. Marauders number one by uh, Jerry Duggan, writer. Uh, Matteo Loli, artist. Federico Bli, cover artist. Color artist. DC's Corey Pettit, letter. Tom Muller, design. Uh, Kitty Pride has figured out that for some reason she's the first mutant that Krakoa does not accept through the portals, which it should accept right away, yeah. and she has to show up on Krakoa uh, on her own means if she steals a ship and brings a shopping list of shit that Wolverine wants. Beer, whiskey, ribs, uh, smokes, you name it. And she aligns herself with the White Queen to be the person that can be the underground um deliverer of mutants that cannot get to Krakoa via the portals or even to deliver contraband and she forms a team with uh one of my favorite parts of this issue was the fact that they've resurrected original pyro (laughs) like so excited original pyro it's her iceman aurora uh storm for the uneducated 
and uh, her and Lockheed are just throwing down and she's kind of a it's it's a really good writer's tool from the past 10 years that she's been one of the head uh, professors at whatever version of the Xavier Institute you want to imagine or team X-Men leader and all of a sudden she is not able to function at the same way that the others there's been a bunch of uh, uh, articles I've read where they're like oh they've proved that she's not really a mutant no they're doing a good story angle here assholes your clickbait can go fuck itself uh when you like when when when, when you <laughs> see that uh new episode of x-men proves kitty pride isn't a dot 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 and then it's just like all of a sudden your yeah your browser gets overwhelmed which is really funny when like it loads an msn story from my, oh, fr- right. from Microsoft in a in an Internet Explorer window and it still freezes like this was made for your software <laughs> and it's frozen. Um, it, it's it's a good read. I get it because it's a good number one. Uh, great background story. I love the graphics. The graphic design of what's going on. The hinting that there's a big deal to do with Sinister because of that gem we talked about last uh, last episode. Oh yeah. The- what the crimson gem of Sinister? Uh, no, the the gem in uh, Sinister's forehead. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. And gotcha. then we've got Justice League Dark, number sixteen, another continuation of You're the Villain. Um, Wonder Woman is doing her best to hold everything, uh, hold everything together while she is being impregnated by Eclipso, and uh. It's uh, it was a good issue if you've never picked it up. Great artwork, um, a lot of good occultism. I don't know, man. Like, uh, I in hindsight when I'm talking about it, I'm thinking like, can't miss any minutia of Justice League Dark because then you'll not understand what's happening for ten pages, which is not a good thing. Um, the artwork is great, decent storytelling. Constantine shows up at the end. I don't know. I, I just feel exhausted even just recapping it because it was just. I, I don't know. I'm getting more and more to the point that if you're a uh, businessman style, you know, like if you can't pick up a, a comic book and understand what happened last issue within the first three, four pages, then you're lost. Um, Kind of the truth. Um, yeah, you've you, been you, hitting a lot more lately. You need to be able to sell your product that fast. Uh, man, I haven't picked up an issue of Just Sleep Dark in a couple of months. Four pages, you're recapped, you're fully in it. Not going to miss at least the next two. But if it takes like almost all 22 pages, um, which was a task, I mean, they're, they're doing their best. I mean, I, I feel like this. some of these DC titles and some of the Marvel titles are being told by people that are really good DMs and have a lot of uh, regular people that show up every week. Because you know how hard it is to keep a, a good D&D story going together. You get two weeks of like, yeah, we're in this 100%. We're never missing a Saturday night. And then after the third, after the second week, they're like, oh, I got shit to do. And then like, they just keep dropping off, and that's how I feel some of these stories are happening, and you really got to recognize that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's all I got for the week, man. I'm just happy we got to talk about Watchmen. I'm good to catch up with you. I feel like I haven't talked to you in forever, but uh, 
We've got a. Uh, it's funny how much we've talked, and it's like I've been in a total fog. It's okay, man. Yeah, man. It is what it is. And, Watchmen, and, Star Wars trailer. Yeah, we hit a lot of points. Yeah. Just get a talk to you, man. That's all I got <laughs> for the week, man. I'm pooped. I got to get up at five in the nice morning. Nice talk to everybody. Yeah, we're yeah, this uh, the wake up calls are starting to starting to take their toll. Because yeah. uh, there's no day I'm not pulling twelve hour days, and then it's just they're just gonna get longer for the next couple of months. It's gonna be pretty busy until Christmas. All right, man, take us out. Minefields, this is dangerous. Over and out. I love <laughs> you, brother. Good night. Love you all. Take it easy. Bye. Bye.